We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which we meet, the Yagara and Turrbal people of the Mianjin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Marvel's podcast. I'm Lisa and this is my partner in crime, Dana. Hello there. And we are rewatching some of our favorite pop culture paragons from the MCU and beyond through a queer feminist lens. There is no denying that superheroes influence and inspire people from all communities. So we want to explore what that representation is, if any, that's available to viewers from outside of a straight male lens. Who better to explore this than your favorite discourse dykes? That's us. We're the discourse dykes. Hey, look at me. I said it today without fucking it up. Dab. <laughs> What are we watching today, Dana? What are we talking about? Thank you for letting me... We're talking about Thor! I'm so excited. Well, we already talked about Thor on, on my previous podcast, Sexuality, in which we dis- dissected all the queer elements of it for uh, two hours. That was a, a big two hours that we spent on Thor. I know, but I raise you. I am always happy to talk about Thor for another two hours. That's me with Captain America, so I feel that. We're going to have a great time. I'm so excited for today. Uh, um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Thor is my favorite superhero and has been for many, 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 many years. And um, I love all of his movies and all of his appearances, some more than others, but I'm still, all of it is good. All of it is slow. He's my favorite boy. That's awesome. Yes, he's a special one. He's a, he's a lad. He is the himbo supreme. And I he love is him. such a himbo. <laughs> he invented himbo culture. He has the right um, measure of sort of, I guess, because I, I attractive male with pure stupid energy, but also huggable. Like, he is my favorite oh, lad. I would love to hug Chris Hemsworth. That would just be like the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. So many muscles. I have been within 100 meters of Chris Hemsworth. That's right. Because he filmed um thor ragnarok in brisbane city yes he did and so me and a couple friends at the time went down to where it was like filming and i was so excited and every time i see it in the film i like i'm like i was there in the background in brisbane Ah! okay (laughs) there's also a brisbane bus in the background of that show there is i love it yeah and they had to cover like the australia post boxes with like fake florists and things except then there's just a whole ass brisbane city council bus just going through the background. I just didn't care. <laughs> nope. I didn't care that much. Got places to go, shit to do. <laughs> okay, um, we're doing Thor today. The first Thor, 2011. Yep, written by, or directed by Kenneth Branagh, and script by Ashley Edward Miller, Zach Stentz, and uh, Don Payne. Kenneth Branagh's great, like, brings all of his Shakespearean influences and drama into it. I really did not care for this directing style. I know, but, like, it is what it is. And, like, like the Thor comic writers, no one can figure out what the fuck is consistent with my boy. So <laughs> I think it's got its own little unique spin on the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all part of the Thor canon, so we must accept it. Yeah, exactly. Did you want to do the honours of the... Um, of uh, the plot summary? Pl- plot summary, yeah. Look, we will share custody... But I can start us off if you really Because like. we, we just wing these things, so we'll see how it goes. Okay, uh, we are introduced to the movie by, I believe, first a sort of flashback situation where it talks about um, 
Asgard protecting Midgard over the years, and it shows us a frost giant invasion and gives us this huge overarching monologue about, um, I guess, how Asgard's watched over the other realms, and it's a beautiful golden city, etc. And we see Thor and Loki's children talking to their father, Odin, who... Um, showing that they're two very different young boys. Thor is going to live in his father's honor and he wants to smite all the frost giants and like be the biggest conqueror ever. Loki's like, but but what do we know of the frost giants? All meek and studious. And Odin's just like, ah, oh, my sons, like, um, you, you're too young, my time will tell. My idiot sons. My idiot sons. Um, <laughs> pretty much Odin's tagline for all three movies. Um, <laughs> but essentially, yes, it skips then to a more grown-up Thor and Loki, it's meant to be Thor's coronation. And instead, there is an incident where frost giants attack the Golden Realm, and it sets everyone on edge. Thor, being a stupid idiot at the time, is gunning for blood and wants to go and seek revenge on the frost giants for ruining his big day. And Loki, knowing that his brother can grow angry, is sort of manipulating him and needling him into also taking the bait to go. Odin simply forbids it, however, as he is on the verge of what they call the Odin sleep, which is a period of time where he needs to relax and recharge and sleep to regain his dark energy and powers. And meanwhile, uh, on Earth, Jane Foster, an astrophysicist, is attempting to chase storms, I guess. Is she a storm chaser? Doing yeah. some sort of thing. I th- um, is, there's like cosmic energy radiation shit she's interested in that peak in... Mm-hmm only places at you, sorry, <laughs> where, where there's storm activity. <laughs> um, and she's joined by her intern Darcy and her friend Dr. Selvig. Mm-hmm. And um, they are chasing the storm and this um, big whirlwind comes out of nowhere and wraps up their truck and then um, as they're driving through it, a man comes out of nowhere and hits the front of the truck and drops off. Oh, that's, and that's, that's how we start the film. I forget we actually start it with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just interested in Asgard. Um, <laughs> so Thor's ended up on this planet because he did go down and fight some frost giants in Jotunheim in revenge for ruining his big day. And when he comes back, he's like kind of saved by the skin of his teeth by Odin, who like teleports them all back and then like nearly immediately falls in a coma afterwards. But before he does, he has time to yell at his son almost incomprehensibly, and banish him from the Golden Realm until he can learn a lesson of humility. Uh, He sends down the hammer as well, which will no longer answer to Thor's Thor's call until he proves himself worthy of returning. Mm, And meanwhile, Loki's still scheming and doing shady shit and uh, inviting frost giants into the... um, Asgard to steal shit from the trophy vault. Yeah, so that's what we find out is that Loki sort of orchestrated the whole thing. Um, but he has his own little moments in the movie where he finds out just how much Asgard has lied to him. Uh, he, during the first invasion, I guess, on Jotunheim, um, he turns blue when one of the frost giants touches him and finds out for himself that he may or may not be one himself. He confronts Odin. Uh, they have a screaming match in the vault, and that's when Odin falls into the Odin sleep. Uh, Odin sleep because he needs to recharge his energy, and his sons have just stressed him out beyond belief. Uh, and yeah, Loki uses this opportunity to seize control of the throne and to stop them from bringing Thor back. 
And the only reason they managed to get back is because Thor's friends sneak out of Asgard to try and find him and let him know that no, his father isn't dead. No, he's not banished forever. Loki's just in charge and being a little shit. Um, on Earth, what does Thor learn about Lisa? Uh, um, that's a loaded question. Learns about <laughs> love and uh, friendship and uh, not smashing plates and cutlery <laughs> and cups in random restaurants. A lesson that I still need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he learns that he cannot ride a dog. <laughs> or that Earth has disappointed us by not having ones large enough to ride. Um, so Jane is gets all her um, equipment confiscated by S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. So S.H.I.E.L.D. comes back, um, Agent Coulson is there, um, they take all of her stuff and then so she commiserates with Thor telling him about um, you know all the things that she made and all the things that she's been doing and Thor tells her about Asgard and the Nine Realms and Yggdrasil and um, they bond over that and it's a very cute moment and um, then I guess Loki comes sends the destroyer to kill Thor while mm-hmm. all of his friends are there and then Thor is, uh, um, he tries to, at first he tries to get uh, Mjolnir back. Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Um, Mjolnir. Yes. <laughs> but he can't because he doesn't have the power of Thor. He's not strong enough or he doesn't. And he hasn't, hasn't proven his worth yet. Hasn't proven his worth yet. So when he fights the Destroyer and he lets the Destroyer almost kill him, then he gets the power of Thor back. He becomes worthy once again. So he destroys the Destroyer and then through making a big whirlwind, which uh, I thought that everyone was standing very perilously close to. (laughs) You're right. You should say it. Um, And then um, he travels back to Asgard. Yes. Um, after Heimdall, like a boss, busts out of the ice that oh, yeah. Loki put him in. <laughs> yeah, he um, goes Confronts to Loki. confront Loki. And, and then they have culminates. a big fight and Loki cries and then um, tries to destroy Jotunheim and Thor has to destroy the bridge and, it's, and then Loki floats off into space. And we end the movie with Thor still in Asgard, mourning his brother and uh, being consoled that he's stuck up in Asgard and cannot contact his newfound love and friends on Midgard. Mm. But then we find in the post-credits scene that Loki is actually still alive. Wait, he isn't dead. Loki's surprised. Like he's surprised. <laughs> Sorry, reference to actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. You should put that on a t-shirt then. Loki surprise. <laughs> Wait, he is a dud. Loki surprise. There's a tesseract round and a possession in eyes. I don't know. <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, I've recently rewatched one of my childhood favorite classics, Hercules, and like I am not surprised at how similar <laughs> these two movies are. Another himbo. <laughs> Another himbo. I had a type all along for my favorite characters. Um, I just, even though it's so Shakespearean and dramatic and everything, like 
as we said in uh, our Iron Man episode, there is nothing, no drama like dramatic gay drama. Um, so I love this film for what it is. It's probably my least favorite of the three, four, oh, no, second favorite. Oh, God. There's only three. <laughs> yeah. So there's three Thor movies. This is my middle ground movie. Um, I'm not a fan of Dark World. And there's a lot of reasons I'm not a fan of Dark World, which I'm sure we'll discuss in the future. But Ragnarok is, like, supremely my favorite. It is arguably even my favorite MCU movie. And um, I like this one as far as it goes. For what it is, mm. I think it's quite good. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I, you know, <laughs> I didn't hate it. Yeah. But, like, there were some cute moments. I just didn't really like the directing style. That's um, fair. Kenneth Branagh is an amazing actor. He's mm -hmm. truly incredible, but I'm not super fond of his acting in this particular film. No, that's true. He makes a good period piece, and the problem with this film is half of it is, like, dramatic, gaping, like, Asgardian sets where that shines. The other half is, well, most of it is actually spent on Earth, where mm. it's not his sort of scene. <laughs> I was just thinking um, they would have had to just basically spend their entire, like, half of the movie around green screens. Yeah, and a lot of the budget would have gone towards all that CGI work of Asgard and mm. costuming and etc. And so that makes sense that the rest of the movie is so small scale and contained and they pick, like, the smallest, tiniest town out in New Mexico desert they could for the rest of the setting. Because <laughs> it would have been really entertaining to see a humanized Thor walking around like the streets of new york but i understand the choices they made <laughs> well they almost did that for three didn't they like wasn't weren't they originally going to set um some of that in new york when they first find hella yeah three was going to be a road trip buddy movie was the first thing so the idea was there's going to be lots of different planets and um yeah we can talk about that more when we get to three but i can understand why things have become so limited with the thor movies because with the, the budgeting, they have the same budget as your average MCU movie, like maybe a little bit bigger than Iron Man and Captain America, etc. But they've got to shoot these outlandish space and like mm. huge golden city scenes, which can really eat away at that. I think as well, that's a big part why when they were cast in these movies, Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston were just pretty small scale actors. So they got their mm. two the two leading men to be cheaper <laughs> budgets but mm. they ended up being really really good actors for the roles mm. like natalie portman is the draw card for this movie and anthony hopkins that's true she was already huge uh, because of like star wars cred and fame and anthony that's hopkins true. being a fantastic actor they were the two mm. most expensive actors i think in the first film mm. yeah um, yeah, absolutely. Where do we want to start? start with? Yeah, Jane. <laughs> Jinx. Um, shall we talk about Jane? Yeah. So she is our basically, I don't know, the third main character, um, mm -hmm. like Thor, Loki, and Jane. Yep, absolutely. I agree. I think Loki is, yeah, because he's the antagonist, and he gets a lot of development in this. He's up there in the top three. If there'd been less of him, he might be ranking under. I think as far as screen time, though, I'm not sure how he and Jane stack up. Oh, I don't know. I didn't check that. Yeah. Um, 
but Jane, she's intelligent and she's driven, but she's really like impatient of anything that doesn't get her what she wants. Like in the in the first scene, um, she's making Darcy drive into the yeah. storm that yeah. Thor is uh, that Thor is coming out of, and Darcy has this amazing line where she's like. I'm not dying for six course credits. <laughs> yeah, I'm not dying for six course credits. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, so Jane's very driven and passionate, but absolutely is very insular, and she doesn't... And, like, when, when they hit Thor, and she's like, just give me a couple more minutes at the site. Give me, like, a bit more time. And they're like, we need to get this guy to a hospital. We just hit him with our car. <laughs> she's like, oh, fine, I guess. <laughs> it's just, ah, oh, science! <laughs> In the way of my... Um... But I think she's interesting. Um, there's a lot to be said about Jane. The fact she's an astrophysicist is really interesting. She was a nurse in the comics, wasn't she? Yeah, in the comics she is uh, an EMT, emergency medical oh, technician, a nurse. EMT. Um, well, she started as a nurse and then later she moved to be more of like a frontline EMT, like out in the ambulance first on the scene. In the comics in particular, she's often called in because she knows Thor and she knows that superheroes are real and knows them on a personal level. Um, she and her crew end up mostly being called into a lot of superhero-related cases to be on the grounds treating people who are, are sick. Um, it was a really big point in this film that they changed her to an astrophysicist, and this was actually a lot of um, Natalie Portman and a few other women on the team were pushing for more women in STEM as a um, icons for young girls to look up for, to, which is really, really interesting. Well, EMTs are medicine. I'm like, isn't that a bit of a slap in the face of, like, you're saying a nurse isn't good enough? Like, like look at what's happening right now. I, Nurses yeah. are worth their weight in gold. And, like, yeah, it's a really interesting point that, her, like, being a, like, person in medicine, which is literally a science field or it is STEM, science, technology, engineering, and oh, no, it's maths. Yeah, isn't it? yes, it's, it but is. But it's science. Yeah, um, yeah, science, technology, engineering, maths, and so that was really interesting to me. That in an attempt to be even more feminist, they've taken a really vital and important job, and I get it. They might have had to tie it into like the story they wanted to tell, and having her be an astrophysicist interested in the stars and, you know, godlike man falls out of the sky. Like, yeah. I think they're trying to make it more compelling than the old comic narrative where you've got Dr. Donald Blake being Thor's identity and then Nurse Jane Foster. Like, they're trying to move it away from that sort of soapy, like, man and woman in medical ward dynamic. But it's interesting. I thought I was always a little bit salty at that choice, if I'm being honest. Because it's not like she didn't have an important job. <laughs> it's not like um, Earth's Mightiest Heroes did it really well, where she is there literally all the time helping out the first people who are hit by something. Um, it would make her a lot more useful if she was a nurse when she's trying to, like, resuscitate Thor when he nearly dies as a mortal at the end. <laughs> yeah. That would have helped. But, I mean, like, yeah. he's magic, you know. I know. He's never really in any danger. We know is. Yeah. Um... So I'm pretty sure she has the first line in the film, which I can't remember what it is, but I wrote uh, down that she has the first line in the film, but I didn't write down what the line is. It's like that narration where they're driving through, and she's like, look, what's that? Like, yeah, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. I, 
love Natalie Portman as a casting choice. I think that was really nice. Um, I was really sad when all the beef and the drama went down with the studio and Natalie later. Um, I just wish they could figure out what role they wanted Jane to play because they fought so hard to have her be this astrophysicist woman in STEM, etc. And then in the second one, oh, we'll talk about this, but in the second one, she just spends half of it asleep. Yeah, and she's probably one of the most, as far as Marvel love interests go, the most who doesn't have a lot of her own narrative agency because she is dating a demigod, essentially, and Mm -hmm. is always kind of resigned to that damsel in distress or, like, her work starts coming second to Thor. And I will talk about this in in Ragnarok as well where she's notably absent, but I thought it was interesting that the breakup between her and Thor happens behind the scenes instead of it'd be actually really nice to have a moment of that where mm. she had declared it about this being more important, etc. Mm. Um, well, I mean, like, what is her arc in this film? Like, does she change at all? Uh, I guess she becomes a little more open to the idea. Like, she sits down and listens to Thor when he talks about Asgard she becomes less narrow-minded in her view that, like, her way or the highway. But then that kind of resets itself in the second movie where she starts, like, human explaining science to Asgardians who are treating her in a medical facility. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's like, yeah, no, this is what it's called. And they're like, honey, we've had this for 2,000 years when your people were hitting things with sticks. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, in this one, um, I mean, like, she she has these lines where she's talking to Dr. Selvig and he's like, you know, so-and-so wrote science fiction. And she's like, well, that's a precursor to science fact. She's talking yes. about how science fiction kind I of, see. Um, yeah. Yeah. like, leads the way into what we now know as science. Um, and so she does have, like, these moments where she is open-minded and... Um, and there is this noise. I think that's my computer. <laughs> oh, no. The whirring. Uh, I think as well, her art kind of does fall apart when it gets to the point where she and Thor have their kiss or their moment. But it's nice that right at the end, after Thor's sealed off and being sad in Asgard, she's just out there working and getting shit done. But it's almost like her job has not become about the research, which it was at the start, and has now become, how do I look for a way to get Thor back? <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, you were so close, Marvel. <laughs> like, what was she actually doing? They didn't really. Uh, the Einstein Rosencrantz Bridge. So she was looking right. into yeah the 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 um the Bifrost or the Bifrost Bridge, which connects the realms to Asgard. Essentially, is their form of teleportation or transportation. Um, she was researching that using the theories of Einstein, which is a Rosencrantz Bridge to think about those possibilities of transporting from one place to another. So she's astrophysics. She's looking at um, calculations and trying to quantify the data of those Rosencrantz bridges when they pop up, which is interesting that she ever got turned onto them in the first place because I think it starts with just weird energy readings and then she starts looking more into the Bifrost because, yeah, there's no real Bifrost occurrences on Earth except for this first Thor movie and then, like, a thousand years ago when Asgard was there fighting off frost giants. So I guess it kind of just like she stumbled into the whole conundrum. Yeah, was just chasing readings and trying to find something out of them. I yeah. don't know if they really gave it that much thought. 
<laughs> I know. I I think she's. It works to a point, to a degree. It's nice that like they have that little side quest to get her notes back, um, and yeah, the fact that she is really dedicated to her work. Her arc is wrapped up in Thor's. Yes, absolutely. And at first, it's funny because she's like trying to. They clearly think he's crazy, and she's trying to use him to get information or to get her notes back. <laughs> and then, like, she's like, oh, "Okay, I guess maybe he knows more than I think he does." When they sit down and in blankets mm. and look at the stars for like a night. Well, he does actually get her some notes back. Yeah, he yeah they get the notes back, and then he starts drawing all over them. Like, look, they're all connected. <laughs> this is the the. This is, and she's probably there, like, uh huh. Hot strange man. <laughs> Hot strange man, yeah. Do we want to talk about Darcy? Yeah, I love Darcy. I love Kat Denning. She's so attractive. I love Kat Denning. <laughs> I watched oh. all of Two Broke Girls for Kat Denning's. It was not a fun experience. <laughs> no, but she's so she's such a good character. She's very relatable. I remember watching this movie when I was in high school and being like, oh, okay, she's a character, and then like rewatching it in uni and being like, oh, that's a fucking mood. <laughs> She's so she's good. Great. Um, but, she doesn't really do much. Although I thought it was funny that um, that she takes that photo of Thor when he's eating, and then and they later use that picture to make a fake ID for him. Yeah, that becomes yeah the fake ID photo, the the pancakes and mouth photo. I love it so much. <laughs> she finds the book of mythology that Selvig like looked at and then put down. And it's like, look, look, Thor and everything. And he's like, that tales from my people when I was a child that they talk about. But, 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 um, and then she brings out the whole, um, anthropology. Primitive people could have worshipped them as gods sort of thing. I love that. It's, she really comes yeah. through in key moments she's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Jane and Darcy and their cute interactions too. Like, they took my iPod. Like, they passed the Bechdel test so many times in this movie. Yeah. Just those two talking which is wonderful um and uh, she's just really good good comic relief yes very good comic relief yeah. she tastes Thor but she apologizes for it she's yeah, sorry yeah she owns it like she she saw a big giant man and they hit with a van get up and was like not none of that today <laughs> uh more great women in this film. I love Sif. We go, we go back to Asgard. Sif. Sif is my Your wife. wife. I love her. I love her so much. God, she's a mood. Though you can see they weren't really forward planning a lot here. Because no. they talk they talk about her being like one of the few women who were warriors in the realm. Um, but and there you, is the Valkyrie like as... Yeah, and I think that just comes down to at this point they hadn't planned to have the Valkyries in the films at all. Yeah, and they were but they were kind in of... the comics, right? Yeah, and I guess they were painting Asgard as this backwards, like in the same way that like every time we jump into a medieval setting for some reason they're always sexist and always whatever they try to treat Asgard in the same way. <laughs> and um, yeah, and I guess it comes down to maybe all the people who were around or alive when the Valkyries existed in Asgard are not around anymore or um but yeah i love sif i adore her she's wonderful um she is exactly who i probably was when i was younger which is like big massive tomboy who wanted to just absolutely keep up there and like smash not only to keep up with the boys but destroy them in their own game <laughs> yeah and... i i felt that way when i played rugby 
Like, I would get mad when the guys wouldn't tackle me. It's like, this is what I'm here for. Yeah, um, in primary school, my whole squad of kids was just a bunch of lads who I just, like, made, like, fake wrestle and treat me exactly like one of the boys <laughs> and smash them in, like, arm wrestles and everything. I really wish I'd spent more time around women. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I had, like, I could count on one hand the number of female friends I had in primary school, and I usually... A, had a big crush on them, or B, just was ready to be their bouncer to, like, fight anyone who pissed them off. That was my role in primary school. The bouncer. I literally in kindergarten pushed a boy down the hill for bullying my best friend at the time. Um, and I was, like... deserved it. I was, like, two heads taller than all the other kids in the same grade, so my mum and sister ran around going, she's the same age, she's not bullying! <laughs> didn't pull me up for pushing him down the hill but um anyway Sif I love her she is the best she's fantastic um yeah what do you think about Sif I think she's great like she's just always willing to fight she um she just is like always willing to uh support Thor as well Mm -hmm. so she's a really good friend in that respect yeah and um but I mean there is also the lingering like will they won't they is there is something going to happen between them but I think with having Jane there and having Jane kiss Thor like so um so quickly like they get together really quickly like I remember you saying that about them that they got together really quickly and it's after that Thor beats the destroyer and gets um Mjolnir back that they kiss and that's right isn't it yeah yeah Jane's just kind of there like over his body a little bit helpless not knowing what to do yeah. But they don't kiss till after when he's about to go back to Asgard. Yeah, yeah. So they do kiss then because then they don't see each other after that. That was such an but, aggressive um, kiss. I oh swear, my God, someone so chipped weird. a tooth. So weird. <laughs> I swear, someone. Did people really kiss like that? I never look at that movie and think, "God, that's a romantic kiss." I think, "Ow, who's chipped their tooth in that kiss?" I know it looks really painful. <laughs> And I know that kiss isn't for me. It's for all of the straight men and straight women in the audience. But I'm just like, ow. (laughs) Um, I guess in this movie, I actually don't see a lot of that will they, won't they? Between... I don't see a lot of that love triangle. Like, and it's interesting because from a mythological perspective, we know that Sif is literally the wife of Thor in Norse mythology. Oh, okay. Um, We know that like in the comics there's always on and on and off again relationships between the two and Thor definitely has other love interests but like Sif always seems to be the one he goes back to um but I feel like in this first Thor movie there's no like lingering looks there's no her side eyeing when he and Jane are walking around together yeah like, there's none of that there's which no, is really nice when they rock up and tap on the window and surprise everyone Sif doesn't immediately go so you and this woman huh like yeah I think true. they try and play that up a lot more in the second movie or the way they shot the trailer for that a lot had all of this like weird tension <laughs> um mm. I think and honestly if I was Sif I would just be like well she's gonna die in a hundred years so yeah. <laughs> have your fun doors. Fine. I'll I'm, get I'm not worried. I'm too busy. I'm too busy running around being the best warrior 
on the planet. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a bit like there's this thing when they call them Sif and the Warriors Three. Oh, I yeah. was a bit like I don't know if I wanted them to be the Warriors Four or if I was really mad that they called them Sif and the Warriors Three. Like I don't I don't know how I felt about that, and I still don't really know. No, do you know what I love about that though? What? She's important enough to get her own name yeah. in the title. There's yeah, just three true. warriors being lads. Like, they don't go, Fandril, Volstag. Like, they are just the background. <laughs> That's like Sif, the headliner, yeah. and the Warriors 3. <laughs> That's true. She does get her own title. <laughs> she is the front woman to their merry band of men. <laughs> <laughs> She's the lead singer and the lead guitarist. And the lead everything. And the, and the songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Um, I love as well that even though she's the one woman in the group, which is such a trope in, like, everything, um, mm. you don't have Fandral, who's, like, the renowned womanizer, like, trying to hit on her all the time. Yeah. You don't have, like, any of them talk about how she's only there, like... She's not the moral compass of that group. When they no. go to Jotunheim, she's down to fight. Like, it's not until, like, they start getting hurt that everyone's like, oh, okay, I best we, we better yeah, go maybe home. this was a bad idea to walk <laughs> into the lair of the frost giants who are a thousand feet tall and can kill us by touching us. Maybe this yeah. wasn't such a great idea. Yeah, it's like Hogan the Grim, who's like, hmm, this is a bad idea and we shouldn't be doing this. Not like Sif being like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this, guys. We all need to be peace brokers and go home. She's like, fuck yeah, What about fight. the children? What about the children? <laughs> Um, no, I, I really like Sif. I really do. She's always been one of my favourite characters. Yeah. Mm. No, I think she's pretty cool. I really like her. I just wish she, like, had more yeah. of a character and had more yes. of an arc. And that's the sad thing. She's designated because they spend so much of this movie on Earth. They skip over a lot. I mm. wish we got, like, the childhood stuff and her becoming a warrior and what she had mm. to... Maybe she'll be Valkyrie's wife in Thor 4. Oh, dream. I Actually, I have some rumours on this that I'll talk to you about after we stop recording. Um, um, I think I know the rumours, and if, if we're talking if about so. the same rumours, I cried and shat myself and died. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, I do like when she calls Thor out as well, when it's like, uh, or, or not... Um, they're talking about and then the valiant lady Sif, who's like one of the and I supported you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And who told people that a woman could be a warrior? And she's like, I did. I did. And, he, and I always supported you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. That was tick. Good moment. Good writing. Thank you, Kenneth Branagh, for being more feminist than like in Iron Man, which we just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Frigga, can we talk about the world's greatest mum? She's great. I love she's, her. She's beautiful. She is honestly so beautiful and holding that realm together. Like, <laughs> Odin's boys would have definitely renegated much sooner if they hadn't had such a cool mum <laughs> being the best. Well, um, there was a thing that we were talking about in our sexuality episode. Yeah. Where you were saying that basically, like, Thor was, uh, sorry, um, Odin was abusing, like, his children. Like, the way he brought them up wasn't yeah. healthy and... Competition. And I think they don't hint at that a lot in this one. Um, they try and have him being the wise and measured leader at the start. Mm. But there always is that idea of competition between Thor and Loki. And it had to come from somewhere. 
Like, mm. of course, not just being one of them that could inherit it. No, he says that right at the start. Like, one of you will be king one day. Like, instead of just letting his boys grow up and not think about it. Like, <laughs> or instead of, yeah. And just, it puts the whole family in a tough position. And that's the Shakespearean part of it, I guess, where it comes into two brothers, blood brothers who will, well, not even blood at this point, but they grew up thinking they were, like, are going to have to, one of them's going to come out on top. Yeah. I mean, that's the <laughs> and, thing, like, one of them does become king or yeah. is supposed to become king. And then Loki even says to um, Odin that you couldn't have a frost giant as, on the throne of Asgard. Exactly. There was, there would have always been this bias in Odin's mind. That when... Thor has to come out on top or Thor has to be better than or treated better than or think that he's always going to be king. And yeah. That puts, uh, I, I thought about that as well. Like, everyone talks about Loki being shunned and the odd one out in the family, but they're having that pressure your entire life of you've got to be the golden child or, like, look what's happening to your brother. That's going to happen to you if you can't please your dad. Like, mm. and it does. As soon as Thor does something that doesn't make Odin happy, he's fucking booted out of the house. Yeah, as soon absolutely. as he challenges his father, he gets screamed at and shunted down to Midgard powerless like it's not a, a nice home <laughs> and I think um, Thor stayed golden for most of the time in Odin's eyes and was getting treated probably better in retrospect so Frigga spent a lot of emotional energy and time in Loki and yeah, I think she loves Thor as well like in all the interactions we see between them she's always like giving him a touch on the cheek and chatting with him and checking in and she loves both her boys very much. She's that grounded parent who, in the middle of Odin's patriarchal rule, she showed them that, like, there is a place, soft place to land. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think that's typical of, like, stories in general, where you will have a father who is not as soft and the mother who is, and... Um, like, they'll show that the mother being the good parent just by virtue of her being the mother or by virtue mm. of her being, like, more caring because she's a woman kind of thing. And so, like, being the, like, um, and the father generally is just, you know, not as good of a parent because he doesn't know how to be a good parent or, you know, that kind of storyline that's usually bandied around in, in a lot of different media. Yeah. I think it does fall into that trap. Yeah. And I would have loved to see more of Frigga standing up to Odin or at least talking to him about what's... And I guess it's hard with Odin asleep for most of this movie. In the and same it's also movie. not about them. Like, no, if this not. was a movie about Asgard, about yeah, the, political... the fact that um, yeah. Thor is and Loki are being mistreated by their father and it yeah. was more of a, like, a family soap soap opera... Um, yeah. or family drama than anything else. I think that still would have been a pretty good movie. And I think it's, it is a family drama, but they're not interested in telling the story of the parents. They're interested in telling the story of the brothers. And that shines mm. through in like Avengers and later films in well, as well, mm. where they're not, Loki's not there being angry at like Odin and Frigga. Um, he's angry at Thor directly and is like, you did this and you are this. And mm. like, yeah. And that's really interesting. And a lot to unpack. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's what happens in this in this movie is that Loki takes it out on Thor once he's disposed of Odin. He mm. then turns his attentions to Thor and it's like, you know, you're who I need to get rid of to be king. Hey pal, we're already at forty minutes, so we we I think we gotta get a motor on. Okay. Um, Do we wanna talk about well I've only got two more to talk about. Wait, Heimdall, let's talk about Heimdall. Heimdall He okay. Frigga holds the, 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 the family together, like Heimdall holds the fucking realm together. Yeah. <laughs> he is so good and um, such a good character. I wish he got more time. Yeah. He does in Ragnarok, which is really good. Yeah. And um, I think Heimdall's fantastic. He's, he's like, I am duty-bound to my king, but sure, I'll smuggle you off world. <laughs> like, such a... So good. Such a bro. Yeah, like, I didn't see anything. Heimdall, you see everything. That's literally a... I don't know what you're talking about. So he's Um, like... He just immediately is on Thor's side. I think he just is, like, enamored with Thor and thinks that he's the best. (laughs) I love the idea, and this is an idea that I have at least, is that Heimdall is one of Thor's first crushes. Because I refuse mm. to acknowledge that anyone in Asgard is straight, except for maybe Odin. They have a rainbow bridge. <laughs> it's literally the bridge to their home is a rainbow. Also, like, if you're a space Viking alien, why have the same regards to sexuality and gender that confine us on Earth? Like, Exactly. Yeah. Fuck everything. Asgard is queer as hell, and everyone can take that from my cold, dead hands. Only, exactly. Only Odin is allowed to be straight in Asgard. um no Heimdall's amazing spectacular he I love Idris Elba he does such a good job with like what limited he's given in this movie yeah and I think I love watching him in Thor 2 and Ragnarok as well and Mm. he is always just so trusted by Thor is like right up there with the inner circle of like his mates and yeah, it's interesting I mean, it's considering like Sif, he... the Warriors three and Heimdall, like they're yeah. Thor's backup group. Like they're there his is friends. Buddies, they're his yeah, there is Asgardian friends that he yeah grew up with, and that's interesting because Heimdall has loyalty, a sworn loyalty to the king, but is always like, I'll make an exception for my life. Yeah, I'll make an exception for Thor. Aww, <laughs> he's future king, right? So in a way, I am in a still, way still upholding my duty. <laughs> the Royals lawyer of <laughs> we can um, He'll get back on his feet. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about um, Loki? Yeah, sure. So, because um, in the comics, Loki's quite different to how he is in the yes, films. Yes, quite different. But... They they tried to keep as many, I think, elements that would make sense to a film-going audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I just... I wish Loki was much more like mythology version than I do he wish he was comic but comics Loki is a bit of a, a fuckhead <laughs> um, still like very much your archetypical villain who always has to like shit on the hero's day sort of thing um, but in later comics they've done a really good job of exploring Loki's sort of like fluidity and like mm. um, more open to like ideas of sexuality and gender and like yeah, I really like what they're doing in modern comics, but I wish we had, like, just literally the chaotic, like, 
um, bundle of fun who just like causes all of the problems but also fixes all the problems so no one can really be angry at him. And I can't imagine this Loki fixing anything. No, this Loki's incapable of like, is can only break, no fix. Um, and like, it serves the purpose of having this angsty, compelling villain, I guess. Uh, and it's just he constantly makes Thor sad, and I cannot forgive him for it. Um, but I get it. Uh, Loki, I guess we can see, has a lot of allegories if we are looking at it through this queer lens is very identifiable as that sort of other within the family. Um, Mm. Not quite the right or not quite the same as brother or parents and constantly feeling rejected for it. And I just think it's really interesting that that's framed as a villain. And, like, how... When he's, like, as much of a victim as he is a perpetrator. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the MCU does try and do... Probably more justice with Loki than they do any other villain to make Loki compelling or to make you at mm. least understand why Loki's doing, even though, like, the kid's first reaction is to turn to genocide <laughs> or patricide <laughs> or brothercide. <laughs> like, can we stop having our villains who just, like, have family troubles immediately turn out to be sociopathic murders, murderers? Um <laughs> Because we can, like, no, apparently they can't because they do it with Gamora and Nebula as well. I know, right? Like, I have a shit relationship with my sister. I'm not going out of my way to kill her. I don't have a great time with my mom. I'm not going to go and commit matricide. Like, can I just... (laughs) I mean, there's plenty of people I probably would kill, but I'm not going to admit it on this podcast. Can I be isolated and gay and away from my family in peace? (laughs) There you go. I think Thor just wants that. I think he just wants to be gay. Yeah, Thor just wants to go and have a permanent gap year on Midgard, and then everyone's like, no, you have to stay and be honor-bound and duty-bound to Asgard. He's like, but do I really, though? (laughs) Can I not? Just go away, please? (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, um... I wish the brothers could see their similarities with each other more than they do those glaring differences. Yeah. Mm. But, I mean, they are framed as very different in every they respect. Are. I know, I know. And I think, and yeah. The, the the movies do play up that difference, of, like, to the nth degree. No. Um, what else do we think is really, really important to get through here? Uh, so is this a movie we would recommend? Absolutely. I think for an early MCU movie, it's got feminism in it for sure, which is wonderful. I love all of the female characters in this film and think they're very Mm -hmm. interesting. Even comic relief ones like Darcy play a purpose and a merit within the story. Um, Queer lens could always have more, but Asgard is queer and everyone can just take that from my my grubby gay hands. (laughs) Um, and look, it's one of the few in the whole franchises that is working on that with the introduction of Valkyrie and other characters in the future. Mm. Yeah. No, it's it's a really good franchise. Like, yeah, from a, like a feminist aspect, I think it does really well. Um, mm. Aside from the what we said about turning Jane from an EMT into an astrophysicist, which has its problems, I think positioning her as a woman of science is still a powerful thing. Yeah. And again, I think that's more, it shows its datedness in the fact that, you know, everyone felt like they had to be going the next step to prove that, like, to 
it was kind of this whole weird movement where it was like, um, like yes, women have to be like girl bosses. Are you thinking about girl bosses? Exactly, they have to be elevated higher within the ranks instead of just appreciating the good work they're already doing. Feminism kind of focused around this idea of climbing. And yes, we need more women in CEO positions. We need more women in, you know, executive science positions. But there's nothing wrong with accrediting and paying credits where it's due to the ones who are already in really important jobs. And like, just because teaching and nursing are female dominated professions, how about we talk about that and unpack how much of that is considered a base level or a feminine or a shitty career because it's tied into being female dominated rather than let's make a female character. And low paid positions as well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, I think it was that time in history as well where they're very much like, yeah, we need to promote girls in schools to go into really high science degrees where they're going to get bullied by all of the male dominated people in their profession. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Mm. like, and I get it. I get the choice. And it was one that I don't quite agree with, but it was interesting. Mm. Yeah. Would you, if you were to remake this film today, what would we do to improve it? Queer characters straight away. Yes. Please. Even even if Darcy talks about, like, leaving her girlfriend behind at university to come on this summer exchange program. Yeah. Like, anything. That's cute. That would be cute. Yeah. yeah. Like, just pepper it in. <laughs> even if this is 2011, we can do it, folks. <laughs> Well, this, this, you know, well, Captain America was written in 2011 and there's just so much gay in that. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they weren't thinking about it. They just probably yeah. couldn't do it. Subtext gay. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat> I'm joking on nothing. Please um, don't do that. All right. Where can our listeners find you, Dana? Uh, listeners can find me on Tumblr. Yes, I know. I still use it. Uh, I am feels all over the place. And you can catch me there talking about just a bunch of fandom shit and gay shit. That's my life. Uh, send me any questions or comments or queries or talk to me about any of the MCU, which, yes, I'm still a fan of, even though it's not really anywhere anymore. <laughs> Where can they find you, It's still you, happening. Lisa? It's still happening. Yeah, like, it the is. The TV shows are, like, <laughs> part of the MCU, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, where can everyone find you, Lisa? Uh, Lisa Tronics with an X on Twitter. And you can also find the podcast on, uh, you can email us at marvelspodcast uh, at gmail.com if you, like you, Dana said, if you have any questions or comments or like think that we're the best people in the world and deserve lots of fan mail, which we are and we do. So hit us up there. Quite frankly, I'd love to hear alternate takes. I'd love to hear someone who, like, wants to talk about Jane being an astrophysicist, like, being amazing or, like, inspire them to go into, like, um, space physics. <laughs> Science. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> Astrophysics, that's the one. Jesus We've been Christ. recording for, like, two hours and, okay, no, it's, um, been a, it's been a while. But, yeah, engage with us. I love it, please. I love a good, healthy, respectful debate. Come on, let's go. Well, you can email Dana at marvelspodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And Lisa can ignore it and pass it to me. <laughs> and move on with my life and pretend it's not there. Yeah, all good. Um, and as always, thank you, my favorite discourse, Dyke, for joining me. I'm excited to talk about anything as long as I'm talking about it with you. Oh, that's so gay. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> that's why we're doing this podcast. Okay, I think we should wrap it up. So what are we watching next week, Dana? 
Oh, uh, well, unfortunately, we're going from my sunshine boy and we're going to be watching Iron Man 2. <laughs> we'll get through it. I know. You know how I feel about Tony and going from my lovely sun stars to him is quite an emotionally devastating hit for me. <laughs> well, I'll be there to hold your hand. So. I know, as always, which I really appreciate. Gaylord. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> no, um, so until next time, guys. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, we'll catch you again next time. See you later. Bye.